you weren't like overly uh pleased with your intros but they're fucking on point yeah the, the first one was a little short i like this one fucking <laughs> macho man that is a that's a promo for the ages i like the idea that at the end it's all hogan's guts splattered all over the mats it's so good and it's such intensity and uh nobody was like the macho man jesus no. christ uh i would be remiss if i didn't mention that um that, that, that straight up by Paul Abdul was number one on Billboard like two weeks before WrestleMania. So there you All go. right. And we're talking about WrestleMania 5 today. It is the Mezzanine Sleepover, episode 35. I am at Megamix.com. I am at Sleep with five eyes. And uh, we are your hosts for uh, an, uh, a show we're very excited about. A very, very exciting show. Yeah, episode 35. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, we're talking wrestling, folks. Yeah, so... Two reasons why we're talking about wrestling. One is because we're in WrestleMania season. We sure are. We are. In fact, this is Sunday. Well, here we just crossed into Monday night here in Toronto, but it's still Sunday where you are. Yes. And we are one, two, three weeks away from uh, from WrestleMania 32. 
at time of recording or at time of posting the at, podcast? At time of posting the podcast will be 20 days away. There you go. So 20 days away from WrestleMania 32 from AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. That's going to be an interesting one. They're going to have a doctored number of a thousand people or a hundred thousand people in there. Uh, Legit, it'll be probably about eighty, which is still papered, which I is see. still pretty nice. But uh, you know, you know how they do their little attendance thing. Of course they do. So uh, we wanted to talk that, and uh, and the other reason is because the show that we're going to review, which is yeah. WrestleMania Five, yes, growing up was one of our all time favorites. Oh my god. Like big time. I, I can't even begin. And when we get to the review, we can talk about all of it because we got some other things to talk about. But yes, absolutely, one of my. It might be my favorite one to watch. Like it's just pro- to watch. Yeah, it's probably. Oh, it's definitely top five. It might be number one. Uh, and uh, well, it's not number one. Seventeen's number one, but uh, five is way way up there. And as we'll go through, uh, it has very little to do with the actual quality of the in-ring product. Oh, uh, that's absolutely true. So. We will explain. So stick around because uh, you have um, you 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 were at wrestling uh, uh, this past weekend. I was two not weeks the, two weeks ago. A well, a week ago from what recording time a night ago, but yes, it was just over a week ago when you're listening yeah. to this. So uh, yeah, WWE came to town. They had a what they call a network special. Yeah, so which not is, a pay per view. It's not a pay per view, but it's something that they broadcast only on their network little bit of a clash of the champions kind of thing yeah they've done i think this is the fourth one that they've done and uh it's uh it's basically like a glorified house show yeah uh but you know they do you know they have commentary and all this stuff and they promote it and this was kind of there's a long stretch it's about seven weeks between pay-per-views between the last one and wrestlemania so they filled their space um lots of hope as usual that there would be something of significance storyline wise at the show. There wasn't no, right? everything was par for the course. Okay. But, uh, there was some good wrestling on this show. There was some good wrestling. The best match was the women's match. It was, uh, Ric Flair's daughter. Yep. Uh, her name in WWE is Charlotte. Yep. And, uh, Natty Neidhart. Oh yeah. They had a nice ass little match. Good. Yeah, like crowd was super into it. There was, you know, there was no way Charlotte's the champ. Natty's not even in the title picture. Nope. But they put her in there because she can work. And uh, there were moments where the crowd bought like finishes, but cool, it didn't happen. So it was, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, right now it's 2016. The the champion is Triple H. <laughs> uh, it's fucking ridiculous. So dude looks but- like a million bucks still, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, was Brock there? Brock was there. He, uh, so he was wrestling. Uh, he was supposed to wrestle uh, Bray Wyatt. Oh God, old Husky Harris. Husky Harris and Bray Wyatt came out with one of his lackeys, and, oh, yeah. and then said, "Oh, it's going to be a handicap match. We uh, we made a deal." Yep. And then immediately tags out and lets his lackey get a beating. Nice. <laughs> fucking Brock. <laughs> Brock's a fucking monster. Yep. Just throws the guy around. Like he gave him, I think, uh, six Germans, nice, and an F five, and then and then pinned him and left. So good, you know the dude. The dude is exactly like what you pay for. He yep. and he get, he gets to work for like four minutes. <laughs> so good, but yeah, that's 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 the way they should do it with monsters. Yep. So that was good. I mean, I I was um I the show had been sold out. I couldn't find a ticket, and I was looking at the secondary market, and then yesterday in the afternoon, I was like, I'm just gonna. I couldn't find anything on the internet. And I'm like, I'm just going to call Ticketmaster. Just nice. to see what happens. 
And where was like, it? And they were like at the Rico Coliseum. Nice. It's about 6,000, I think. Cool. And I called Ticketmaster and it's an automated thing. And I'm like, all right, I'll just plug in my criteria. And they were like, we have a ticket for $30. I'm like, here we go. All right. Nice. So, well done. Yeah, it was like a, it was actually a seat, but I stood up at the top because they have an upper ring. So I just did standing room and watched. Cool. So, That's awesome. you know, uh, wrestling fans are terrible. Oh, yeah. Just trying to get chance over more than Jets fans. Really? Always with their chance. Like, some dumb things that wrestling fans do these days, uh, they still chant CM Punk. Why? And it's like the guy the guy chose to leave and go to UFC. Yeah, I like don't Like he he quit. Yeah, they didn't even fire him or anything. Yeah, like they chanted like Well, they did. I mean, he quit and then they fired him. Yeah. Everybody. It wasn't an ugly it was an ugly separation. But, but but it's like the guy was was mostly responsible for just quitting the business. And like good on him if he wants to, but why are people chanting it like Still like, the company didn't Years let later. him go. It's like, oh, we're going to stick it to the company. And it's like, well, they didn't really do anything. Oh, God. So they, they chant that. And uh, there was a group of people that were trying to get um, Bret Hart chants going. And then when Why? people and then when people didn't get into it, they they started yelling. They were like, "I guess you like Shawn Michaels." It's like that's what we what? said. That's what we said in 1997. Jesus Christ! Yeah. So there was a dude that that was picking up tickets with the most amazing leather jacket on. Yeah. It was a fucking Ultimate Warrior jacket. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like with a big warrior on the back. With yeah, the, yeah, 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 and like the warrior symbol on the front. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, the other one, great. the other one is people, and again, like this one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock on other people though. We kind of did this, and we yeah. absolutely would have back in the day, but nowadays it's like people that go with their own little title belts. Oh God, yeah. But uh, but we did that too. We did that. I cannot say anything. Yeah. About that, <laughs> I can't. I can't. And if they're in their twenties, I think you gotta let it slide. Yeah. If so, they're a little older, then you got to kind of be like, "Come on, dudes, like let it go." So, and I heard Jericho was uh, was pretty awesome. Oh, Jericho! So Jericho's Canadian. I didn't even know he was going to wrestle on the card. So he did like a throwaway match, but they it was like he he was against Jack Schwa- Jack Swagger, who's a jobber. Yeah. yeah. But they're warming him up because he's got a big WrestleMania match against AJ Styles. Yes, and so there, and he's healing up. Eh? Yeah, so he's healing up, and he comes out, and of course yeah. he's from Canada, so he's going to get cheered. So he has to cut a, a promo on Toronto. Yep. So he's like, you know, I'm so glad I moved from Canada to the States. <laughs> it's the greatest thing I ever did. And then the two big heat lines and one, I'm embarrassed to be Canadian. <laughs> and then he, the second one, he's like, this country, it stinks, literally. And Toronto's the anus. <laughs> I, no good. I, I fucking, I, I, I LOL'd. Oh, God. I love Chris Jericho. So, uh, yeah. And then, no good. and then, of course, Jack Swagger came out and everybody cheered for Jericho. Of course, because it's still Jack Swagger, for God's sakes. Yeah. I can't believe that guy's still around. Well, he's a jobber. I mean, it's good work if you can get it. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just, you know. So, uh, anyways, that was the the wrestling journey from uh, the present, and now maybe we should do one from the past. Well, it's WrestleMania's coming up. Um, it's going to be one of those big WrestleManias, and uh, what better way to, to, to kind of honor the season? Than to take a take an in depth look at uh, what uh, what might be you know arguably we've talked about it earlier uh, our favorite WrestleManias and that is WrestleMania five. Um, this is one that we used to 
like in the in the nineties, we would we would get the tape and we'd watch it and just watch it because it was it was good. Now it's not that great, but everything about it is awesome. So we're talking about kind of uh, I guess years about ninety three to ninety five, ninety six. Yep. So at the time, you've got to remember, like in nineteen ninety three, there had only been nine WrestleManias. Yes. And so we would, uh, we've talked about this before, but on yep. typically on a Friday, yep. we would, uh, we would go to McDonald's <laughs> yep. and then, uh, I would win this game at a video store, which would get me a free rental Yep. and we would have our pick of the wrestling videos always. Yeah, and, so and good. yes, one of our favorites and our go-to, uh, you know, not every week, but you know, probably once every few months was yeah. WrestleMania five. Yeah, and, and other pay-per-views around that era, the 1989, 90, 88, WWF era. Now, we'll get into specifics as we go through this, but... Oh, we're going, we're going, good. like, segment by segment. But clearly the two reasons why we love this. One was the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Yes. And the second one was the unbelievable commentary by Jesse the Body Ventura. Yes. Like... Yeah, I was watching it last night. I've watched it in pieces over the last week. And um, it's it's amazing... How I can watch a piece of garbage match if Jesse's talking. We we can talk. We talked. Uh, we've we've kind of come up with this saying when the music thing, where we talk about when people are at the height of their powers. Yes. WrestleMania five was was Jesse's peak. Oh God, yes. And the commentary is so fucking good. I don't know if, if it's universally regarded as that, but for me, it is. Oh, it's God. so good. It's it's the it's it's almost the whole reason with with him and Macho Man and like the Mega Powers storyline makes it all just it, it's all perfectly it's like the perfect storm of awesomeness so we'll get to all of it as we go through i think um uh wrestlemania 5 uh, is a um the second year that it was hosted uh at what they called trump plaza it yes. of course wasn't at trump plaza it was next door at the atlantic city convention center yes but you know in the world donald trump a lie is as good as the truth yes clearly and, you know, what better time than now to ta- say that? Because it's so fucking true. It's like, <laughs> let's just pretend it's Trump Plaza. Yep. It's not. It's next door. It's not the same building. It's not, you know, but it, 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 they call it Trump Plaza the whole time. Um, though apparently at the year before, when it was ho- WrestleMania 4 was there, Bob Uecker blew it by calling it the convention center. So we got that. <laughs> yes, so they and, had and at- they had four and five. Like, you know, one was Madison Square Garden. Two was they had three arenas, which was a bad idea. Yep. Three was Hogan Andre at the huge Pontiac Silverdome, the at the time the indoor attendance record again with yep. a doctored number. Yep. And then four and five, they went back to back in Atlantic City because uh, Vince and Donald Trump are just a douchebag match made in heaven. Oh my God, are they ever? And so this is the <laughs> second this is the second show, and they had done a year, and it it wasn't just a year long. This is about eighteen month build up to the main event. Yeah, so the idea, and we'll talk about it a lot when we get to the main event, but the big storyline is that um, Hogan, of course, everyone knows Hulk Hogan. Yep. And uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage entered the WWF as a heel. He was a bad guy. Yep. And uh, won the Intercontinental title and then lost it. And then he turned good because Hogan took uh, a good part of a year off to shoot a movie called No Holds Barred, which we'll get to. Oh, we will. And uh, so they needed another big babyface champion, and yep. Macho Man was the perfect guy to do it. It was. So they had him turn good because Hogan gave him kind of the rub. Yep, they became the mega powers, a team, with the ridiculous handshake. Yes, and then uh, at WrestleMania four, Macho Man wins a tournament for the World Heavyweight Championship. 
He wins four matches in one night, not all in convincing fashion, but still four matches. And at the end, Hogan in the last match um, counteracts uh, Macho's opponent, Ted DiBiase's having uh, Andre the Giant in his corner. And Hogan actually blasts DiBiase with a chair, which allows Macho to drop the elbow and win the title. So then over the course of the year, for a good part, like all the way until the Royal Rumble, which is uh, about nine months after, they are uh, like this cohesive team. They're like ultra pals. But they kind of sow these seeds as the year goes along. Yep. Where even in Macho's face, you can see like they sow like very little by little. You know, these these untrusting looks, which is all it really is. Yeah. To, to Hogan. And then it, it kind of blows up the first time at the Royal Rumble in 89 when yeah. Hogan eliminates Macho Man. Yes. And Inadvertently. Ma- yes. And then no. Macho Man gets in his face and then they kind of talk it out. They do the big handshake again. And then, but then, and then on, fu- Saturday, on Saturday, the main event? Saturday night's main event or the main Saturday event? Saturday or Saturday night's main event. One of the two. Um, they're fighting the Twin Towers and Macho Man gets tossed out of the ring onto Elizabeth. And Hogan... It, it just like takes her to the back crying and when he comes back macho's pissed off and slaps hogan and that's it elizabeth who's macho man's valet in real life is at the time was his wife yes and yes hogan does the most ridiculous crying like help her leaves macho man to get beaten on and then macho man slaps the shit out of hogan <laughs> it's so good so this this angle has been built brilliantly one of the, I, I, this is probably my favorite angle. Well, it's a, it's time. it's one of the best ones they ever did because it was a year long. Like yeah. this, when they put the title on Macho Man in 1988, they planned for a year later to do this. Oh yeah, which is and amazing. Slow burned it. You'd never see that today. So they, that's they've that, done the year long ones, but nothing like this. So they call this the Mega Powers Explode. Is the big the big yeah. uh, title to this. So we start the, the the show starts and and I'm going off the anthology version. I watched the network version, which I believe is uh, pretty much the actual pay per view broadcast. Which is the anthology version is the same as the pay per view. Uh, Coliseum Video one, which we used to watch, had um, clipped matches and a lot of this wasn't included. So some of this stuff is really fun because it was never part of what we watched back in the day. Yeah. And so this some of it is extra goodness. Um, my favorite thing is we kick off right away with the old classic. Uh, what the world is watching yep with the with the stock footage of like flying over the desert lake <laughs> and then like the lightning bolts and then wwf what the world is watching and then it goes right into the sexy sacks with the with the lightning and thunder and then the mega powers explode this is uh by the way april 2nd 1989 yes when it happens and yeah the mega powers explode and we got the explosion the stock explosion that i swear looks just like the original death star explosion because they always used to use the same one yep and then it kind of, then all the, the logo and everything kind of like, kind of like gets sucked into the screen and there we are in Trump Plaza and, uh, and we're off to the races. This doesn't look like a live venue I would want to, want to have gone to. It's because, not a good configuration. Because it's a convention center floor, basically. Yep. So there's some seating, uh, at the, around the edges of it that's kind of elevated. And I guess there's a little bit of elevation to the floor seats, but not much. Like, if you're sitting on the floor and you're more than 20 rows back, I think you're pretty fucked. Yeah. But they oh, feel- yeah. There's, yeah, it's like, it'd be like back at the Skydo. Yeah. But the place looks legitimately full. Oh, yeah. It was packed. So that's good. And it's a very interesting venue. It's got the, it's got the, um, the, the, light, the ceiling that lights up and the, 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 the lights, uh, the, you know, strung from the ceiling. They, it's too bad that they covered the mural on one side because it has this ridiculously awesome old 
boardwalk mural. Yeah. They cover that with the entranceway. But yeah, they have the uh, they have a from one end the entrance is a long uh, entrance with stairs. Yes. Which will come into play many times. Yes, it will. Throughout this event, with many guys tripping. Yes. So, um, do you? I, I've got. I've got extensive notes. Well, and I got. I got. I got extensive. I mean, I know this event inside and out, and uh, we can go through and and just you can you can you can lead the way. Um, do I do want to mention we open with uh, Gorilla and Jesse? Jesse at the height of his powers. Amazing. One more thing that we should say, by the way, is that uh, I have given the matches my own star ratings. Yeah, and I have star ratings. It, and in front of me, I have uh, the Dave Meltzer Wrestling Observer, who is, again, the probably the main authority yep. for covering professional wrestling kind of objectively. Yes. And he has, uh, I have his star ratings of the matches, too. And it should be noted that while we love this event, it was named the worst professional wrestling event of 1989 in the, uh, wrestling, the wrestling Observer. Observer. Yes. Yeah, yes. Um, and actually, uh, you have Gorilla and Jesse. I think they might have spoken, but... Um, mine starts off with uh, America the Beautiful. Oh my God! Okay, so, so this had to be a rib. <laughs> yes. Right, like it had to be a rib. I- I'm sure it was. So the women's champion at the time, Rock and Robin, um, sings America the Beautiful. Um, she's fucking terrible. She's so fucking nervous. Like, I think that in the right setting, she would be. An adequate, that's the best term I could use. Yeah. She's not off key or anything. She's just so quiet. Yeah. And so nervous. Yes. Like, I could just see, I could totally picture Vince bullying her into uh, singing. Yeah. And he's uh, like, let's let's have a good laugh. You could hear him, you know, laughing in the back. Vince probably fucking loved this. It was terrible. It was horrible. It was funny because WrestleMania 1, Gene Okerlund sang the national anthem and it was terrible but it was like you didn't expect it to be you just expected him to kind of it was kind of folksy you know this was just a train wreck and uh so she's really bad at it and immediately after it's done who calls her out but jesse of course he does it's like better not quit her day job gorilla (laughs) so i uh, this of course was cut out of the uh, coliseum video release we never even saw this for many years for good reason for good reason. Uh, we kick right to the first match. So we have King Haku yes. against Hercules Hernandez. Yep. Hercules, Hercules at this point. Hercules is uh, dead wrestler number one. I have my count as usual. Excellent. So he's dead. Uh, he, Hercules comes out. He's got like this kind of like light baby blue packs. They <laughs> totally look like 80s gitch. Yeah. <laughs> Just and like a little on the small side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he always was jammed into his packs. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's, it's like they had, he had. To, it's like when he put them on, you hear like a little a little suction pop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have. Uh, he's got the giant chain. He comes out, but first Haku comes out being carried by, um, just it was just dudes in suits. It was jobbers, right? Yeah, but they weren't they dressed in like tuxedos. Yeah, so what they would do is because he was King Haku, so in the in the eighties and the nineties, if you were the king. Yeah. You got you got like this platform and you would have four like bulked up jobber wrestlers yeah. carry you to the ring. Yes. While you sat on the throne and looked regal. Yes. And they would play always like what Jerry Lawler uses now is his music, the king music. Yes. Yeah. Until until it was Macho King and then he would use Pomp and Circumstance. Yeah. Um and this time though they're wearing nice natty suits. It looks yeah. it looks good. They look good. Yeah, and they bring them and then they actually like they put the they put this platform 
they lay two of the arms on the ring apron and the other two on the like on the barrier and it just just sits right there i'm like that's i guess like it didn't fall so good yeah so haku is the king and uh they have a match uh it's, it's not bad I have, uh, the only things I say here are Hercules goes after Bobby Heenan on the floor and he pays for it. He does. And, uh, uh, Hercules wins with a back suplex. Where he, he where he back suplexes him with a bit of a bridge. Well, Jesse calls it a bridge, but he just rolls his shoulder. Yeah, he rolls his shoulder up so that his shoulders aren't on the map, but Haku's are. Yeah. So Hercules wins. Jesse says it's a big win for the slave. Yeah, that was my favorite part. And a big win for the... And he kind of stutters it. Yeah. Like he doesn't know if he should say it. For the slave. Because at the time, uh, Heenan had basically called Hercules his slave. Yes. And sold him. Yeah. So, so that's why. Hercules was the face and, and he and he gets the... Uh, I would say a surprising win. Yeah. I, I would say too because he beat the king clean. Shouldn't he be the king now? Uh, you would think, right? But but I guess the, 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 the royal crown was not on the line. I guess so. So uh, I gave this two stars. Me as well. Uh, Melter gave it a half star. Now, Melter's ratings, we should note, uh, were written at the time. At the time, <clears throat> yeah. Our ratings, and I bet you if he looked at this again, he would rate them higher because, um, at least in some cases, he would rate them higher. Yep. Uh, but, uh, because the worksmanship is, uh, looks a little better in hindsight, like working yeah. in wrestling today, wrestling's more exciting and spectacular, but the worksmanship yeah. isn't nearly as good. No, there's, there's some good psychology. There's a good pacing to this match. There's uh there's some good, uh, you know, Bobby Heenan is, is, is great. And whereas he's not even really getting involved, but he's there and his presence is felt. My favorite part of the match is all the kerfuffle with Donald Trump's entourage and his friends. Getting seated in their seats. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it goes on for like five minutes. Yep. Just them trying to get seated and standing up and he just looks fucking grouchy. <sighs> and it's amazing. You know, so there you go. Um, yeah, two stars. Uh, I concur with you on that one. So then we go to uh, Twin Towers versus the Rockers. Well, first we talk to the Rockers. Yes, we do. And uh, they're going to rock and roll and strut and stroll. Which is what they do. Yep. And um, yeah. so the idea of this match is very classic. Uh, the Rockers each weigh about 200 pounds each. Yep. Yep. And uh, the Twin Towers weigh about 400 pounds each. Yep. So it's the little guys using speed and trying to stay away from, yeah. the, from the fatties. Now, just um, you got to remember here when we're talking about one of the things that I love about the commentary in this back in that era with Jesse and Gorilla was they would actually talk about things like that. Where it's like, here's what you got to do if you're a little guy. You got to make them chase you around. Here, these guys, the the match is is it it it, it gets it, it tips more towards the rockers the longer it goes because they're better conditioned because they're smaller and lighter, and um, so so the commentary kind of plays throughout that, and you kind of feel like these little guys have a chance, even though they clearly don't. No, they don't. And you and you know they don't, but the commentators are kind of selling it like they do. I gotta say. One thing about this, and I'm going to talk about this all night, this fucking anthology, and 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 and, and overdubbing shit music for slicks music is is an abomination. And I don't have that anymore because at the time that the anthology came out, um, there was there were two things happening. Right, one was that the WWF couldn't show or WWE couldn't show its old WWF uh, logo and well, not the scratch logo, and they couldn't nope. say the words WWF because of a. a, a 
legal issue that they yeah. uh, lost. They yeah. they've now settled that and they can call it WWF. And the yes. second one was that they go in these phases where sometimes they don't want to pay for music fee like yeah. rights fees. Specifically uh, Jimmy Hart music. Yeah, so they overdub them on their videos with like shit. Yeah. And so that's uh, what they did here. And in, in, and yeah. Yeah, on the uh, on the network at least for this recording I don't think that they overdubbed anything. No, this one they did something garbage. It was terrible. And you, you know what? You can always tell because the music's bad and the Fink is overdubbed. Yes. Um, the, the, and, of course, I would say I, I, I've, I've owned the um, VHS copy of this for many years. And that's from pre-lawsuit. So, of course, um, never had the – it was only up to WrestleMania 13 anyway. But it also had um, – they didn't have any problem putting all the good music in. So I've enjoyed it for many years with the good music. So this was a minor quibble for me. The match – um, it's a cat and mouse game. My favorite part of the match has to be, again, the commentary where, where, um, the rockers just can't help but like punch the guy on the ring apron. <laughs> yep. And Gorilla Monsoon really likes it. And he says, he, he talks about how they're catching the, like Akeem daydreaming on the, on the apron yep. and Jesse getting really mad. Of course. Being like, they're cheating. It's, 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 it's dirty and it's underhanded. And so he mocks Gorilla throughout the show about daydreaming. And uh, also, this is the first time that Jesse takes a shot at Joey Morella. Yes. So Joey Morella is the referee. He is Gorilla Monsoon's son. Yes. So when Jesse goes after the referee, he's particularly vicious in going after Joey Morella because it's a rib on Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah. And of course, unfortunately, Joey Morella ends up uh, dying in a car crash. Yeah, like five years after this. Yeah, but uh, but uh, it's funny to watch Jesse go after him. That idiot Morella. <laughs> yeah, so good. Um, um, there's a. I have a few things. Bossman is the second dead wrestler on the show. Yes, he is. This match is the day, the WrestleMania debut of Shawn Michaels, who yep. I mean, he was great in this match. But if you told me at this time that like exactly 20, 20 WrestleManias after this, yep. he would wrestle like the one of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah, and he would be like, and it would be expected that he would. You'd be like, Holy and he's shit. and he's like, a legend and a multiple time world champion and a hall of famer. Yeah, no, you'd yeah. be like, oh come on, yeah, the feathered mullet, the the fluorescent uh, tights with the tassels. There's um, a part during the comeback spot where Michaels is doing his comeback. Yep, and Akeem closes or clotheslines the fucking shit out of him. Like, ah, it's awesome. Just gives him. Shawn Michaels sells it so well. Yeah, like the it's the it's the it's like the three sixty cell. Yeah, that like Michaels and Janetti and Perfect are known for. And then uh, and the head shrinkers. Yes, and then Akeem uh, wins the match with a big splash. Oh God, I know. Well, we did to get to see Shawn Michaels. Did Shawn Michaels? He did a, a real an impressive aerial maneuver. We did a few. He did a moonsault, right? No, he uh, no. no no no. It wasn't a moonsault. No though. moonsaults in this match. He did go off no. the top rope. Uh, they did a double dropkick spot on Bossman, and they fucked it up. Oh yeah, where where they yeah where where Michaels didn't even hit him. Yeah, he just fell over on Janetti. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, then Michaels at the end goes off the top rope for a move, and he basically gets caught in a in a spine buster, and oh, then he gets big splashed for the end. That was a good high spot of I, the night. I gave this match two and a half stars. I gave it three. Uh, Meltzer gave it one and three quarters. I only gave it three because it's just it's a it's fun to watch. I like watching the boss man. He's a good. He, at this point, is a really good kind of power wrestler. Bossman, by and, the way, at, at it's probably at his fattest. 
Oh my god! Like the boss man was always that boss man was always big, but he fucking trimmed down pretty quick after this. Oh yeah, but still agile. Yeah. Still go. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the splash that Hakeem hits is called Air Africa. (laughs) I guess. uh, I guess the the airline Air Africa can only get like. Uh, four or five inches off the ground. Something like that, yes. Something like that. <laughs> so uh, then we go to match three. Yep. Uh, it's the Million Dollar Man versus Brutus Beefcake. Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yes. Uh, one thing to note up to this point, they don't go a lot in depth for a lot of these with the uh, what's the background. No, not at all. So A lot of these matches are throwaways too, right? Yeah. This yeah. is the era of throwaway WrestleMania matches. Uh, and this this card had like fourteen matches on it. It was fucking crazy. Oh, I know. Uh, so uh, Don or sorry, DiBiase comes out. He shakes hands with Donald Trump. Well, yeah. Which is great because he's rich, right? Yes, they're both rich guys. Um, I don't actually have very much in terms no. of the the action in this match. I only have uh, DiBiase gets heat from the crowd by looking at them and making money grubbing gestures with his hands. <laughs> So good. Like, oh, I got money. I. It's all about money. And, and then, moves. and then Brutus makes scissor gestures to the crowd to big cheers. Yes. Well, you know that was getting heat. Uh, and I gotta say, the crowd at this event overall is pretty dead. So, you know, they were willing to cheer for some little things. This match went ten minutes. For God's sakes. Yeah, and um, and it went to a double countout because I guess you couldn't have either of them job. Yeah. At WrestleMania. I don't know why. Like WrestleMania, you've got to have finishes. You really do. So they do a double count out, and uh, and then I think Brutus is mean to Virgil. Uh, I think he beats him up to get his heat back. Yep, basically. I gave uh, I gave this one and a half stars. I gave it I gave it one. Uh, Meltzer gave it one and three quarter. There you go. Okay, we're around the same around the same uh, rating there. So now we get to a good one. Yes. So, uh, first of all, they do this, uh, they do these segments that are like, oh, let's look at some stuff happening around WrestleMania weekend. Yep. So there's a brunch. Yeah, we got Lord Alfred Hayes. And he's interviewing the Bushwhackers. Oh, God. Who are like, I guess their gimmick is that they're kind of like these wild, um, (laughs) New Zealanders. They are. That's what they are. So they're sitting there eating breakfast and it's just a plate of like scrambled eggs and they're, and, but they have to eat with their hands because they're pigs. Yep. <laughs> and talk with their mouths full. That's the joke, right? They but you, can't, them, you can't understand what they're saying. Because they have their mouths full. Yes. So they go to their match, and the Bushwhackers are wrestling the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Yes. <laughs> uh, a funny line by Jesse, because the yep. Bushwhackers are all crazy. So Jesse is like, um, you know, it looks like they're on the juice. Yeah, the joy juice. Uh, the joy juice. And then he says some sort of juice, and I just put, I don't think so. <laughs> Not the Bushwhackers. Yeah. The um, Bushwhackers aren't on the juice, when, judging by their physique. Yes. One of my favorite lines by Jesse in this whole thing yep. is, uh, so uh, Jimmy Hart is the manager yep. of the Rougeau brothers. Oh, yes. Jimmy Hart is, uh, and he's very small compared to the wrestlers. Yeah, he's a tiny dude. And uh, so people always beat up on Jimmy Hart, and the crowd yep, loves it. I know exactly what you're going to say. This was my favorite part. Yeah, well, I'll let you have this one. Okay, so the Bushwhackers get a hold of Jimmy's coat. Yes. He's got these He's got these ornate coats. This one is a very nice jacket with a fleur-de-lis on the back, because he's managing the Rouges. He would always change his costume every guy every time he'd come out. His, his jacket would always be custom for the team or the person he was managing. 
They grab his coat and they're they're gonna tear it up. Of course, Jimmy doesn't like this. The the Rougeos get in the ring to stop it. Um, Jimmy gets his coat back, but he's caught in between the uh, the the, the in, in between the bushwhackers and the Rougeos in the corners. And the Rougeos get whipped into Jimmy, and of course the jacket goes flying in the air. It's amazing. And so Gorilla loves this, and <laughs> and he and but Jesse makes a note that he he doesn't understand why so many people pick on on Jimmy Hart, and. I think Gorilla alludes to how he's 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 because uh, he's annoying or whatever. And Jesse says no because he's small and there are bullies. <laughs> so and you know what? He's fucking right. <laughs> I love that line because he's, he's small, small and there's bullies. <laughs> so good. This match is it's bad, but it's got one amazing moment. It's aside ho- from the jacket. It's like, a horrible match. It's a complete mess. Um, and yes, uh, the moment that's great. Yep. Is at one point, uh, Ray Rougeau has got the heat on Butch. <laughs> and he picks Butch up for a power slam. Or for a body slam. A scoop slam. It's a scoop slam, yeah. So he scooped him up and he's holding him in the air. And he's about to throw him down. Yep. And Butch, with his free arm, slides it down Ray's front. And grabs him full on on the cock and balls. Oh, God. It's, and it's, it's not like a glance. It's no. like a full, like, let me give you a fucking, like, cup for, like, two, three seconds. And again, it's got to be a rib, right? Uh, I don't know any other thing it could have been. It, it had to be like, you guys all know each other. You're just fucking with them, right? Yeah. In the slam, you know, and probably got a good laugh, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, the Rougeos were pranksters. Yeah. So, yeah, he just cups his balls big time. Ball I remember right I remember there. the first time we saw it. We were like, did he just grab his balls? Yeah. So, it yeah. Like amazing. Yeah, um, the match is really bad, and the Bushfuckers inexplicably win. So now there, yeah. there's there's so what happens is um, Jacques has Butch in a um, abdominal stretch. Yes, he tags Ray. Ray does the entry where he does like the full front flip over the top rope. Awesome, kind of like walks all cocky and then gives a Crunch. crescent kick. Yep, to Butch's midsection after like doing a karate pose. It's yeah. amazing. So then after doing that, they pose to the camera. They hug and then pose. And the bushwhackers behind them get their finish, like set up their finisher, which is one guy, Luke grabs Butch by the head and like rams his head into the guy. The battering ram. So he rams one of the Rougeos. The referee just keeps his back turned for whatever reason. Yep. So they, they take the Rougeau brother and they give him a double stomach breaker. Yep. And get the pin. And that's it. And that's it. Now, I, I said this match was a total mess. I still gave it half a star. Yeah, I gave it a dud, but I uh, that's just for the match. I, I love watching it. Meltzer gave it minus four stars. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, must have been, he must have been pissed off. It was, you know what? It was a bad match. It makes no sense. And here's my thing about, about this match, too. It's not even about the match. I, my observation on this is... It was amazing how many grown men were walking like bushwhackers in the crowd during the entrance. <laughs> I'm like, we're talking like dudes in their 30s. They're like fucking whacking, you know, like they're all doing the arm move motions. Yep. They're like, and I was just like, what? Why? I they all know. love the bushwhackers so much. It's fucking weird, right? Oh, Wrestling God. in the 80s, though, right? Oh, they love the bushwhackers. So the bushwhackers get a big win. Then after the match, we cut, we get the, we go to Sean Mooney on the, on the, in the aisle. Yep, and he's trying to interview some kids about the bushwhackers, and the bushwhackers come up and lick him all over his head and face. <sighs> it's gross. Fucking disgusting. Uh the next match. This is a good one. Oh yes, it is. 
Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, against uh, the Blue Blazer. Owen Hart! Uh, two, two dead guys. Two dead guys. Dead wrestlers three and four. Perfect debuts his new tights, the ones that he'd be most known for. And they talk about it. They're like, look at those Olympic tights, Gorilla. Yeah, before that, he used to wear just basically like spandex. And so now he's got his his Olympic tights. He has yep. no music at the time. Blue Blazer has some like 80s riffic music. Yeah, if you want to listen, go take a listen to Blue Blazer's music. It's amazing and awesome. Um, and all, uh, I thought about, all I thought about in this when he was coming running down the aisle, and of course, uh, both, well, Mr. Perfect trips on his way to the ring. <laughs> I believe a bushwhacker might have tri- tripped too. We didn't mention that. But Mr. Perfect trips, which is too bad. <laughs> the Blue Blazer's running and he doesn't trip, so good for him. And you uh, can watch, I think, one of the guys, and I can't remember which agent it is, you can see him literally like almost motion to Blue Blazer, like watch out <laughs> as he's running. It's the dude, you know, the blonde dude that look, kind of looks like a lion with yep. glasses? He, I don't know who that is, but he's like, watch out. Because there's like a drop from the stairs down to the, you know. And uh, Blazer, yeah, when he's running, and all I could think about was Captain Skyhawk. <laughs> and not you could you think about the perfect one? Oh yes, well yeah, that could be a whole other review. But anyway, so um, I didn't actually take a lot of notes on this match. All I said was it's a f- super fun match. Yeah. Um, Blue Blazer Owen Hart gets a pile of offense. Perfect, yeah. perfect sells for him like almost the whole way through. Yeah, but like then big time. Yeah, but then um, you know Blue Blazer misses a high spot and he gets caught in the perfect plex and that's the end of the yep. match. That's all it really is. It was a real fun like five and a half minutes. Yeah, um, I gave it uh, two and a half stars. I went three. Uh, I enjoyed the work rate. Uh, Meltzer gave it two and a quarter. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, it was yeah for five minutes it was fun and again. Um, it took another five years for Owen to get anywhere, but God, like how could you not see? Oh, and you oh, know just, why. You know why, right? Because he was small. Yep. And because, and he yeah, he couldn't really talk, so he was fucked. Yeah, and um, he, the Blue Blazer was, was like a terrible character. Yes. But, but God, Owen could go. Um, you know, this throwing the standing drop kicks and the fucking pulling out the crucifix. And the uh, and uh, he does, I love the big moonsault off the top rope at the start. And, oh, just, just a great fun match to watch. Just a good uh, little exhibition of. I love it too because at the start of the match, the Jesse and Grill like this is gonna, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be one of these matches to watch. You know. Yep. Like, this is gonna be. You're gonna see some tremendous technical and aerial moves. And uh, you did for you for did. the it time. Was it was good. Uh, Jesse then has a surprise for Gorilla. Yes. He's like, I got a surprise for you. And then the Fink does a big introduction where he's like, you know, a WWF legend and a star in Hollywood. Jesse the Body Ventura. This must have been in Jesse's contract. I, I don't know why. He I don't know. Few, why. He got one. He got another one at WrestleMania four. Same thing. So he basically the the uh, commentators at WrestleMania booth, three. He got to go to the ring, and he got introduced at WrestleMania three. So the I, yeah the commentators booth is like up on one of the sides of the uh, plaza. Opposite but you can, of the entranceway. Yeah. So Jesse kind of stands on this platform, so you can see him. If he actually walks forward, he'd fall off. Yeah. And uh, this one, in WrestleMania 4, he posed. In yeah. this one, he basically spends his time yelling at Gorilla. <laughs> He's like, Telling him that, I, I surprised you, you, didn't I? I told you. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And Gorilla's like, I'm giving you all the accolades you deserve. And he's like, pointing at Gorilla constantly. But, uh, you know, great Jesse moment. So then we get uh, Run DMC doing the WrestleMania rap. 
Um, I did see it so, uh, before that was the uh, Lord Alfred Hayes talked about the 5K run with uh, Mr. Fuji running it in his tux. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it was it was junk. But anyway, oh, yes, Run DMC, WrestleMania rap. Yeah, so good for them. I didn't say much. This Run DMC yeah. was there, and they did WrestleMania rap. And you know what? Good for the WWF in 1989. Uh, it was good. I enjoy. I enjoyed the. I enjoyed the. Uh, I enjoyed the performance. It was fine. They did WrestleMania rap, and they did another song. So I then, I don't know what song it was. So then we get into uh, Demolition, the tag team champions. Yep. Wrestling the Powers of Pain and Mister Fuji in a handicap match for the titles. Now this one had some lead up, and I feel the booking's a little weird. It's strange. It's so, whoop-ass booking. So Mr. Fuji is a bad guy, and he's managing Demolition, who are bad guys. And who are the tag team champions? Yes. And then at Survivor Series, Mr. Fuji, like, fucks them over. Yeah. He decides that, you know, he uh, he basically, like, causes them to get counted out of a match. Yep. They get mad at him, and then they, they like, beat him up, and they leave. And the Powers of Pain, who are a good guy team, come over, and they're like, well, Fuji will be with us. And so now... Just by association with Mr. Fuji, one team turns good. Turn. They, yeah, they do a double turn. One team decides to leave him and one team goes with him. I got to think that people were dying to cheer for demolition. But the, I guess so. But then all the, like the motivation of the wrestlers, it's like, okay, so Fuji want, like you're with the champions. Yeah. If you're managing the champions, why would you leave? Maybe they weren't listening to him. I guess so, but they're the champs. Maybe they were getting too much accolades from the fans as bad guys and they were starting to believe their own hype and maybe he just wanted to get rid of them. Yeah, so he leaves the champs and uh, the powers of pain just out of nowhere are like, he will be with us. It's funny though because you think if you're Mr. Fuji, the real plan is to uh, get Demolition to sign the powers of pain, get them to have a match at WrestleMania and then fuck over Demolition and just go with the champs. Then you're guaranteed the titles. Exactly. But instead, you blow your load early, and as you'll find out what happens to Mr. Fuji, he becomes a participant in the match. Yeah, so they decide, okay, we're going to have the Powers of Pain and Mr. Fuji as a threesome. And Fuji is obviously the weak link because he's at the time, what, a 65-year-old man? Yep. Though he's wrestling in his tights, and he looks pretty fucking good. Yeah, no, he looked looked pretty good. Um, And uh, so they they do this match. Fuji, uh, of course, is only going to come into the ring when the opponent is compromised. Of course. Gorilla calls him out for it. Jesse says yeah. it's, that Fuji is smart for camping on the apron. So good. <laughs> Which is so true. Good. It's true. Why would he get in there with those guys? Yeah. Um, Fuji tries, at, like I guess, a top rope leg drop. Yep. <laughs> and like... The idea is that the guy from Demolition moves and Fuji misses it, but Fuji's uh, trajectory is way off anyways. Yep. And he lands right on his ass, and I'm like, fuck, if you're 65, like, why are you, oh doing, my God. Why are you doing this? Um, in the end, uh, in the end, Fuji ends up being the liability, and they, the Demolition catch him. Yep. They put their finisher, their terrible finisher. It's so bad. What do they call that move? Uh, the Demolition Decapitation. Oh my god! It was so a- one guy holds the guy over his knee. Yeah. And then it's like an elbow drop off yeah. the off the middle rope. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I I got it. Okay. Um, I don't. Okay, let's give star ratings, and then I got a thought on demolition. One star. Oh yeah, one star. Meltzer gave it a dud. Yeah, it's a pretty bad match. Um, I don't get it with demolition. I never got it. It's like okay, Smash is kind of cool. He's kind of cool. He's kind of a, but 
my god axe <laughs> like just this like little round fucking balding kind of short-haired kind of guy who's not really menacing <laughs> and i would be remiss if i didn't say they had a promo before the match where they couldn't stop saying fuge the stooge <sighs> you know like, what fuge the stooge like they're trying we're to gonna be... demolish you because that's what we do uh, they're trying to be funny but they're like tough guys i mean they were a, they were a um road warriors ripoff right oh god yeah they were not as cool so um then we yeah. have dino bravo versus First we get Ma- we get an interview that shivani tries to interview macho man in his locker room. Yes. Okay. And Macho Man is not uh, uh, bashes the bashes through the door, knocking over the cameraman, and runs away. Yeah. <laughs> and says, "Hogan, I'm coming for you." Yes. That's that's by the way, Macho Man's pre-match promo. <laughs> it is. Yes. It makes no sense. They have this gold angle that they've been building, and Macho Man in the you heard it at the start of this show, his like pre-match like a couple weeks earlier promo was amazing, and at the event. Macho Man gets about two words in. Terrible. Uh, then we have Dino Bravo against Ronnie Garvin. Ugh. Dino Bravo, dead wrestler number five. Yep. Um, at one point, I think it's Bravo. Someone's throwing um, something into the crowd. And uh, Gorilla talks about how Jesse could have thrown his earrings in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesse says... Well, my earrings are covered with diamonds and gold and worth $5,000. Yeah, he's a gorilla. My <laughs> earrings were covered with gems and diamonds or something. <laughs> Why would I throw this in the crowd? Now, um, what it was was uh, the match doesn't start. Uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker comes out for no reason. They do. Yeah, they bring the two guys to the ring for the match. And then before the match starts, he gets like the thing, gives, a, gives uh, Snooker a full introduction. And like if you're in the crowd or watching it, you're like, what's going on? It's kind of exciting. It's like, here's Jimmy Suk. What's he going to be doing in this match? He poses and leaves. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Rugged Ronnie Garvin has a pre-match uh, ritual where he throws his stinky towel that he wears around his uh, <laughs> his neck out into the crowd. He feigns it one way and then throws it. And he got Pearl Harbored by, uh, by um, Dino Bravo. Uh, during the match, Garvin, on a couple of occasions, does these amazing lateral presses. I... <laughs> It's basically like a mini splash yeah. <laughs> into a pin. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a, a, a weirder kind of wrestler than Rugged Ronnie Garvin? He's this tiny little pug guy. Yeah. And he's built, and he kind of bounces around the ring a little bit. He threw a ridiculous rolling cradle. Yes, he did. <laughs> like, just like a beautiful fucking somersault cradle. Amazing. And, like, it's a perfect matchup because Dino Bravo is this other pug little guy fucking giant muscles these two guys bumping around for each other they look ridiculous uh garvin carries the offense but then he gets caught in a reverse atomic drop and then the suplex the side suplex for the loss yeah well what happens is uh, dino carries it early and that allows the commentators to of course what i love about wrestling in this era is talk about how a guy like rugged ronnie garvin it takes him a little while to get going yes you know, he's going to need 10 minutes or so, you know, he's the kind of guy where, you know, he, he needs a little time once he gets going. And of course, what happens is after a little bit, Garvin starts to make a comeback. It's perfect storyline. It's good psychology and storytelling because that's the kind of guy he is. But yes, he gets caught, he gets side suplexed and he gets pinned and then he gets mad. Yes. He throws a fit, knocks Dino Bravo to the ring, punches down Frenchie Martin and then does the Garvin stomp on Frenchie Martin, who didn't interfere in the match once. Yeah, and of course, Jesse's so mad. He's livid. 
That's what I put. Jesse is livid. Jesse's livid. Gorilla. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Gorilla's perfect because he's so annoying. He's like, well, I think that's quite clever. It's like, fuck off. Gorilla. You know what? Gorilla's kind of the troll. He's really the troll. He's the troll. And then Jesse kind of calls it like, he's the bad guy, but he kind of calls it like he sees it. Like Gorilla just loves every time there's like a good guy does something like, like, like acts like a baby. This is the beauty of, of commentary in this era is that, um, there's there's always one pro good guy and one pro bad guy. Yeah. On the commentary, and they will call out the opposite side for when they're underhanded, but yep. they will justify it when their own side does it. Of always. Course. It's amazing. Fantastic. It's so good. It's super immature and it's great. And it's trolling. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. Uh this match, uh I gave it uh one and a half. I gave it two. Uh Meltzer gave it a dud. It wasn't a very good match. It was just short. It was yeah. like three minutes or something. Four minutes. Uh, so then we get uh, Strike Force against the Brain Uniting. Yes. So the Strike Force were yes. uh, Rick Martel and Tito Santana, who had been tag team champions, and then Martel got hurt. They lost the titles at WrestleMania 4 to Demolition. Yeah. And then Martel got hurt, was on the shelf, and came back, and they were doing singles. They were wrestling singles competition. Yeah. And so they joined back together in a reunion at WrestleMania Five to fight the new, uh, you know, new WWF stars, the Brainbusters, yes. which is Arn Anderson and Telly Blanchard, half of the Four Horsemen. Yeah, when they had a dispute with WCW and came over to the WWF for about what nine months. Yeah, won the tag team titles while they were at it too. Yeah, and so um, Tully and Arn are, are great. As, they're as awesome. You know. They are awesome. It's yeah. awesome to watch them in WWF because they're so far and away ahead of some of these teams. Strike Force comes out to their song Girls in Cars. Yes. Uh, which is a song from the Pile Driver album. Yep. Um, one uh, here, I have a few notes. Um, one um, also awesome thing about uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and Ric Flair for that yep. matter is that no one sews their initials in the front of their packs anymore. Oh, I know. So they wear their packs and then Arn Anderson has like a double A sewn into the front. Yep. Like kind of like on the nice like hip. on the hip. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Tully Blanchard has the same and Ric Flair used to have it. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So that's this great. This match this match is great. Um at it's one, just it's got really good flow, uh good underhanded heel tactics by the Busters. I love too uh, how Tully Blanchard is like the biggest, greasiest douchebag ever. Oh I know. Like he's he's kinda like I you know, he's kinda like an ugly dude. But, oh, he really is. But he fucking, but he fucking thinks he's so sexy, and like <laughs> yeah. struts around and just doesn't give a fuck. Oh man, you know, like uh, I wish I'd watched NWA back then. Yeah, to see these fucking guys in their primes. Uh, so, uh, by the way, it's all in the network. I know they I know. have like '80s fucking NWA on the network with these guys. Um, <sighs> so uh, at one point, uh, Rick Martel, uh, Tito Santana inadvertently hits Martel, his partner, with his, his finisher. So what happens is is that they do this twice, and it's it's a little baffling. And uh, it's actually not baffling. It's just interesting. So what they do is they have, they have two blind tags in a row. The first one is great because they do a blind tag, and they're able to turn the tide because of it. The second time they do a blind tag where um, Tito is, or Chico, as <laughs> Jesse would call him. <laughs> Chico Santana. So good. Um gets he's getting atomic dropped and you know like uh reverse atomic dropped 
and he um and he tags Martel on his, when he's up in the air, and he comes down, but he's like blocked it, and he runs off the ropes, but he he just tagged Martel. Why would he think he should throw a flying forearm in that direction? I don't know. Yeah, but he does, and of course Tully ducks it and he hits Martel. Martel sells this like a fucking champ. Goes tumbling through the ropes, and then he's it's down. It's Tito's finisher, dude. Yeah, like, he so he goes out out of the ring and he's out for a while. Then when he gets back up on the apron, yep. he spends like now. Of course, the Brainbusters get the heat on Tito Santana. Yeah. So they're beating him up Big for like time. a good like three or four minutes, and Martel's on the apron. Just selling, like grabbing his chin, like just ouch, like fuck, like for yeah. like nonstop. It's it's yep. wonderful. And then yep. finally, when they get to the part where Tito uh, is able to make the tag to Martel, yep, Martel drops off the apron and walks out and does the big like I'm done with this, like throw, like like using the big hand gestures to be like I'm out of here. Yeah, and like I'm he, done with this guy. He stands at the ring and he does it, then he's walking up the aisle and again it's this long long aisle and he'll stop and sell, like he'll grab his chin again and be like fuck. And yeah, then he'll and so then good. he'll and then he'll take his hands and wave him at the ring like yeah, I'm like, done I'm with that guy. Here. Yep. Awesome. All the way back, the whole way. Yep. Meanwhile, what I like about this is that there's no real hero spot for Tito Santana. Nope. He gets like one moment where he throws a couple of punches just to show he's got some fight in him. Yeah. But essentially, he just gets beaten on and Spike pile driver and he and loses. that Spike pile driver was fucking great. Yep. What a great Spike pile driver too. Yeah. So the Brainbusters win. Ten minutes of, of glorious tag team wrestling. I loved it. Three stars. I gave Three it, and a half. I gave it two, and uh, Meltzer gave it two and a half, which is one of the highest ratings that he gave. <laughs> yeah, I just love. I just love the, the, the. I just love watching these guys work. That's that's just it. You know, like four, you couldn't ask, like that's four really good wrestlers. So then they get to the back and uh, Mart- or Gene Okerlund is interviewing Martel. Yep. And Gene is appalled. Oh, he's upset. And at one point he says to him, you were supposed to be a team. A team. <laughs> and Martel just says, you know, I'm done with him. I carried him. Yeah. He was, you know, in his, in his French Canadian accent. Yeah. So now we start. Uh, a number of non a number of non wrestling segments and like clearly in some of these cases we're in intermission. Yes. But the, but before intermission. Oh god, here we go. We get a segment that the WWF for years played off as this legendary historic segment. Oh my god. And it's fucking bad. It's really bad. And it is uh Piper's Pit. Yep. So Roddy Piper, this is his return. He's been gone for two years. Yep. So he's going to do his return and do his little talk show bit. And so, you know, you think, oh, this is going to be great. And so they do an introduction and they're like, this guy has his own talk show named after him and he's a star. And and then, of course, it's the big jokes on everybody because it's actually Brother Love. In a kilt. In a kilt. So Brother Love comes out. Then uh, the other guest on the show is Morton Downey Jr., well, well. First, what 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 um, what Brother Love does is he he interviews himself oh, that's as right. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes, he's like, and it's it's it's. I think does he do that? Yes, yes, he does. And then Piper comes out. Oh no, Morton Downey Jr. comes out. You're right. He comes out next, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's terrible. And then Piper comes out. Yeah. So Morton Downey Jr. has a to- has a talk show. It's kind of a cult talk show at the time. And he's pretty much like the worst guy in the world. He's an asshole. He uh, 
he's uh you know an ultra kind of conservative like he's it's one of the first like shock television like yep. shithead shows yep and his big gimmick is that he smokes yes constantly so, so he co- smokes constantly and not just like i'm sitting there having a smoke like nope. grand gesturing the cigarette into his mouth and blowing smoke yep. in people's faces by the way dude died of lung cancer Yep, he so, sure did. And you know what? I kind of look at it and I'm like, oh, fuck him. He got lung cancer, by the way. He used to be like with a pro-smoking advocacy group. Of course he was. And then he got lung cancer and then he changed his tune. He's like, smoking's bad for you. And it's like, fuck well, you. He learned a lesson, I guess. You know, it reminds me of something. I might. Uh, this might not be popular to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Do it. You know those War Amps commercials? Yep. Where they have the kid who's like, don't play, play by the tracks and he's got like yep. a fucking his arms chopped off? Yep. I'm like, well, why are you the advocate for it? It should be the kid without with an arm. Yeah, they should just have a kid that's normal. That's like, I, I don't play, play by the, by the fucking train, <laughs> so I have my arm. Yeah, so, a- anyway, that ooh, hot takes. I know, right? On the messaging sleepover. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah. So uh, so what happens here is that uh, Piper works over the guests one by one. Yeah, Piper finally comes out to 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 you know. To, to, to bring some uh, levity to the proceedings. So he first first he takes care of Brother Love, who's kind of the, the, the softy, right? Like he's the By ripping up. off his kilt and revealing his red packs. And uh, Downey's just sitting over to the side, throwing cigarettes at both of them. Yeah, um, gesturing in the crowd about how he's going to smoke. And there's one point where, by the way, Brother Love's the only person in the segment still alive. Yes. Um, before Brody pulls out his... Uh, pulls off Brother Love's kilt. He makes a reference to Brother Love having no cock. <laughs> He's like, "Well, if you're a real Scott, you'll have nothing under there, and I mean, you're wearing nothing. We know you have nothing." It's awesome. Uh, Piper also, God, there's a lot of bad stuff. He says that he watches Brother Love because uh, the winos are not entertaining him. I d- Piper, I'm telling you, just sometimes. And then later says to Downey, he watched his show because the winos again were taking some time off. Yep. He does like the weird like the weird walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he like imitates the uh the hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, like what? It's so weird. So it's after so Brother weird. Love goes running away in his in his red gitch, which again is a WWF specialty. Like Vince must have loved it. They're like, let's make him wear the most unflattering gitch Bruce. and run away. Bruce. Yeah. You gotta get we gotta we you gotta put on your red underpants. Yeah, yeah. So when it's when it's Piper and Downey Basically, they have this terrible dialogue, which includes something where it's like, what was it? It's like, I, uh, you know, Piper makes a joke about like some like warthog. Yeah. And uh, Downey basically is like, I, oh no, Downey's like, it was a warthog. And uh, Piper's like, I didn't know your girlfriend was a warthog or something. It's like so fucking bad. There's or like, homeless, homeless, homeless warthog, warthog or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. There's like, like bad, jokes, there's like, bad who, mom who jokes. There's bad mom jokes. Your daddy, all this kind of bullshit. And Downey is blowing smoke in Piper's face the whole time. And he's like, "Mr. Downey, I'd appreciate it if you didn't blow no more smoke in my face." Yeah. So, anyways, in the end, Downey goes to light a smoke for Piper, and Piper pulls out a fire extinguisher and extinguishes Downey, and that's it. Including that's it. stuffing the extinguisher right up his crotch. So good. So that was all right. Uh, that segment was fucking bullshit and it, bad it was brutal it was a waste of time i don't know why yep. they glorified it for years yep so then we get into the uh we get into the uh intermission so in the on the floor it's intermission yep but for the audience at home yes uh we get uh two treats yes we do the second treat all is uh just video footage of the events leading up to the main event 
Yep. But the first treat is that uh, Mean Gene is like, we have the trailer yep. for No Holds Barred. Oh, Jesus. So they show this trailer, and that movie's terrible. And the trailer is garbage. It is, uh, it is the, uh, it is Hulk Hogan's, uh, movie, his yep. first movie. Yep. And so they play the trailer. Yep. And after the trailer is done, they go back to Gorilla yep. and to Jesse. And yep. Gorilla is like, what a great movie. <laughs> and, and Jesse has this to say. At least I hope he has got it to say. What the fuck? Oh, my iPad's letting me down. It's like my big oh. moment. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you. No holds barred. Holy mackerel. Jesse, I believe the hoaxers invading your territory. How dare him step into Hollywood, Gorilla Monsoon? Let me tell you something, Hulk Hogan. Hollywood is my domain, but I can see why you're doing it. You're doing it, Hogan, because you're going to lose to the Macho Man. And when you lose to him, you're going to have no job, Hulk Hogan. So you're going to have to come out to Hollywood, try to invade my territory. It ain't big enough for the both of us, Hogan. But if you want to come out, I'll give Hogan a job in Hollywood. He can drive my limo. <laughs> so yeah, so, he's all so mad. I love it. Yep, just the what a, like just cuts this promo. Which of course, when we were younger, we we thought that that was legitimate. Now it's it's based in reality. Yes, but clearly, clearly it's just a promo. It's just a promo. Uh, they gave Jesse a hell of a lot of leeway, you know, just to kind of do his thing. Yeah. Because Jesse was, he was a movie star too. Yes, he was. A legitimate. Yeah, he was in a lot of movies. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah. Right that's... before that, right before that was, of course, Sean Mooney stumbling around and trying to interview Donald Trump. Yes. Terrible. Yes. Uh, and Donald Trump, again, uh, clearly lying, right? Oh, the casinos are packed. Yeah. Right. If you know anything about, about Atlantic City... In 1989, I doubt the casinos were packed even on WrestleMania weekend. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so now we get to a bad, bad match. Though it's now like now we're after intermission, so now we're at the big matches. There's uh, six yep. left. Yep. And the first one, still six left. I love it. The first one is Jake the Snake Roberts against yep. Andre the Giant. And people wanted to see this match. Well, and the big thing here is that you now Andre. Now in the again, this is the 80s. Yep. Nowadays, everything about Andre the Giant at this time, like Andre the Giant when he was uh, young, yep, was mobile and awesome. Yep. But now he is uh, four years from his uh, from when he died. Yep. And he can't move. Nope. Like he's immobile and he can barely move and he's slow. Like yep. he's done for, but he's still wrestling. But in the eighties, the mystique still carries because he's by far the biggest guy, and they've protected him so well, right? Yep. So then they have little, like, well, Jake's not little, but compared to Andre, he is. Yeah, and he's a tall dude. Yeah, it was, it was a good. It was a good. Um, it was some good juxtapositioning in this match. And the the equalizer is that they discover that Andre is scared of snakes. Yes. So Jake and, the Snake has his snake with him, and Andre is scared. And of course, Big John Stud is the special guest referee. Big John Studd, who is um, two mo- three months removed from winning the Royal Rumble. Yes. Is now referee for this uh, undercard match. But anyway. Uh, Studd and Andre are both dead now, of course. Yep. Jake should be dead, but he's having another comeback, so that's yeah, good. Good for him, yep. Um, yoga. Yes, uh, Studd comes out to Hacksaw Jim Duggan music. He sure does. He, in fact, I think, I th- oh no, Jake had his music too. Andre has no music. Yep. 
Um, I just said again. Um, okay, so Andre can hardly move. No, when Jake bad. when Jake comes out for his entrance, like just walking down the aisle, yeah, he's not all there. Like, Jake? yeah, oh, like Andre. I'm looking, I'm looking at his his face, and it's like yeah. some, something's missing here, man. Like when yeah. he gets to the ring and starts working, it's on. But walking to the ring, like, you know, I'd like to say it's just he didn't really want to be there. But you know, knowing Jake, there's more going on. Oh God, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Who knows what he's on? Uh, Andre doesn't sell a thing. Nothing. He sells nothing. Uh, and uh, but then he does his big. Uh, the only spot that he's got left, which is the rope hook spot. Yep. So he basically gets knocked backwards, and and he's still good at it. He gets his arms tied up in the ropes. Oh yeah. And the people go ape shit for it because it's like this fucking invincible giant is all of a sudden exposed. Yep. Um. Then I wrote he this. He didn't get him out. Gorilla doesn't like that, and then Jesse goes off on Gorilla. Of course. About how he, he, he only likes it when it's his favorites. <laughs> Just uh, call it. And, he, and then it's at this match where Jesse says he, he used to look forward to commentating with, with Gorilla, but now he's, he's almost as bad as McMahon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, oh, I then wrote, this match is awful. It's bad. Uh, Andre, for whatever reason, decides to attack Big John Studd, the referee. Yep. And therefore loses by disqualification. Yep. Then, for whatever reason, I guess just to set up the next feud, Ted DiBiase yep. comes out and steals the snake. Yep. So he steals the snake and he's running away. And Jake just catches him and gets the snake back. And then puts the snake in the ring and, and, and Andre gets scared and runs away. Yes. Um, and then I wrote terrible. Yeah, it's a dud. I gave minus two stars. Yeah. Um, and uh, Melter gave minus three stars. I will only give it a dud is because it it, it, it leads into one of the greatest um, fan interviews of all time. Oh, yes? Does it? <laughs> yes. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Come on, do it. I witnessed this wild melee between Andre the Giant, Jake the Snake Roberts up here in the uh, Bob Euchre seats and... What do you think of this matchup hey, here? Jake, Jake, the best, this Jake. He's the best. Jake's the best. Jake's the best. Yeah, okay, I guess he's going to say it all. As you can see, not a bad seat in the house. <laughs> so there you go. That dude is a fucking hero. Yep. Uh, Jake's the best, Jake. Jake's the best. Jake's the best. Jake's the best. Uh, how many times have we said that in our lives? My oh, God. We love the Jake. And, and the way he says it, so now we spell Jake, J-A-I-K-E. Of course. Jake's, Jake's the, the best, best Jake. That dude with his little mullet and stash, amazing. Yeah, so Jake, I mean, just, again, it's just funny that a grown man's so excited to see Jake. All, and he all wins by DQ in a match he had no, even, he, he shouldn't even been in the ring because he's, he just gets beaten on so badly. Yep, but uh, yeah, Jake's the best. Jake's the best, Jake. Uh, so now we have the Heart Foundation. Oh, wait, though. Uh-oh. Tony Schiavone interviews Sensational Sherry, who's oh. always good for a terrible interview. Yes, and she's dead. Uh, but she they basically sow the seeds. Because yes. at the time, she is a former women's champion, so she's kind of got a beef with that. But yep. she also makes reference to Miss Elizabeth not being a yep. woman. Yep. And uh, and is like cheering for the Macho Man, which, of course, they end up being... Uh, yep, by SummerSlam, they're together as as a as a uh, the, 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 the king and queen. Well, yeah, he's not the king at SummerSlam yet, but you get the gist. Yeah, she's his valet. But she is a terrible, 
interviewer interview. Yes, she's just yes. bad. I would re- I would be remiss if I didn't mention the rumble where she does commentary during a women's match and spends <laughs> the whole time going, "Come on." <laughs> All right. So uh, now we get Valentine and Honky against the Heart Foundation. Yes, the uh, the 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 start of rhythm and blues. Uh, Brad Hart trips going down the stairs. He sure does. He's adjusting his uh, his elbow pad and trips. Yes. Um, I didn't have very much to say about this. Uh, the Hearts use the megaphone to win. And Jesse's mad. Jesse's mad, but then Jesse also saw. They talk about finishers. Yep. And uh, Jesse's like, "Well, you never had a finisher, Gorilla." And Gorilla's like, you're lucky that you're never the recipient of the uh, big splash. And Jesse's like, well, I'd have to be 72 if I was going to be wrestling you back in the day. So, yeah. Just, so Because there was times during the event where, where Gorilla would be like, back in our day. And he'd be like, or back in your heyday, Jess, what do you this about my heyday, Gorilla? <laughs> there's, a, there's a part later on where uh, they're talking about managers. Yep. And it's like, well, you know, you never had a manager, Jesse. And Jesse's like, I was managed by classy Freddie Blassie in 1981. Yep. And, and uh, Gorilla's like, and he took your career right down the toilet, didn't he? <laughs> so good. My favorite thing about Jesse is when Gorilla actually calls him on something. So there was a point in the Bravo match where he said something and, and Gorilla totally like sunned him. He was like, blah, 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 Jess. And then Jesse's like. And now look at Dino Bravo. He all just changes this fucking subject. <laughs> yep. Every time he all does, he just no sells it. Ah, Dino Bravo, looking good. So this was a nothing match. The only thing that was good was the Anvil running wild during his comeback. Well, you know, you get there's always. I like watching the Heart Foundation because of the contrast and styles. Yeah. So I gave this uh, one and a half stars. Yeah, two, one and a half to two. Yeah, that would be good. It, it went a little long. Meltzer had two and a quarter. Um, uh, it's, uh, you know, I always found it, I find it interesting to listen to commentary from Gorilla. So he always put Brett over, eh? He liked, he liked Brett. Well, yeah, Brett was great. He, he saw something in Brett. Hunt, you could see clearly. it at this time. You could see that Brett had something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we get to, uh, Rick Rude. Yep. Against the ultimate warrior. Ah, uh, yes. For the Intercontinental title. One of the matches that had the lead up, because it was a title, but also Rick Rude had the little, uh, the little what, the flexor, whatever it's called. At the superpose down. Yeah, the superpose down at the Royal Rumble and beat up the Warrior with it. Yeah. So it leads to this match for the IC title. My favorite thing is earlier in the early in the event, Jesse's talking about how Bobby the Brain's going for his first title. And I thought, you were at WrestleMania 3. Yeah, that's right. Like, you were fucking there, dude. Yeah. In the biggest match in the history of wrestling. Yeah, but anyway. So, um, yeah. Uh, they're both dead, so they're eight and nine. Yep. Uh, Rude sells like a motherfucker. And he's got those tiny skinny legs, eh? Yeah. And he's got amazing tights. Yep. His tights always were amazing. He'd always have some like spray paint style yeah, he'd image. Yeah, he'd get them airbrushed. And this one, he had the title on. He had the title on the front, and he had Warrior's face on his ass. So good. Um... But he he sells like crazy for the warrior, flopping around. But then he gets the heat, and he he at one point he hits a missile drop kick. <laughs> I know it's so. Awesome. I put I put rude hits a top rope drop kick, and then in brackets five exclamation points. It's so good because if you've seen rude, it's like he's not a dude to be hitting missile drop kicks. No. Um, rude wins with cheating. He sure does. Bobby the Brain grabs uh, Warrior. Warrior's going to suplex um, Rude in from the outside. Yep. 
And uh, Bobby the Brain grabs Warrior's leg and hangs onto it while hiding under their apron. So good. Yeah, and uh, Rude uh, wins the title. Big shocker. It was a big shocker. And it's actually funny because they kind of brush it off very quickly. Like, he wins, and it's shocking. And then Rude takes off, and then Warrior gets, you know, his heat back by beating up on Heenan. Of course. So he beats up on Heenan, and uh, and then they kind of, they're like, let's move on. Yeah, well, because they got to keep going. Yeah, they, they do have to keep going because it's fucking, that's like the 12th match, so. I gave this uh, two and a half. I gave it two and, I give it two and a half for me, two and a half for Meltzer. Nice. Okay. Now we're getting to the, kind <clears throat> of the dregs. Well, kind of. Yeah. Because actually, with the start of this match, we get a fucking run of funniness. <laughs> we really do. We get amazing run of funniness happening. We sure here. do. All right, let's do it. So the next match is Bad News Brown against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. These guys uh, don't like each other, I guess. Bad News Brown is uh, dead. Yep. Um, they both, all they do is punch and kick. It's so bad. They can't, neither of themselves. Yep. Hacksaw tells the ref to get off his ass. He does that every fucking pay-per-view match that he has, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um, they, again, can't have a winner, so they just have... Bad news bring a chair in and um, Hacksaw bring in a two by four. And they hit each other with them. And they hit, uh, yeah. So it's a double DQ. Yep. And uh, then <laughs> <laughs> this this happens. I would assume Bulls might have been disqualified. That's what I'm disqualified. Duggan's got this giant string of snot in his fucking mustache. <laughs> Disgusting. He's sitting on the chair with his two by four over his shoulder, looking like an idiot, with the thumbs up and the tongue out and the fucking snot all over his stash. So we're laughing at that because he's got snot. Then Jesse calls him on it, says it makes him want to puke. Yep. Then Hacksaw with his two by four bats the chair <laughs> yep. out of the ring like it's fucking T ball. <laughs> so when we're watching this we crack up at that we crack up at the chair yep they immediately go to the back and this happens yes just moments from now bobby the brain heenan is going to be facing the red rooster bobby heenan the manager of many superstars and at one time he managed you red rooster the challenge is up he has accepted and this afternoon, it's a classic case of the student meeting the teacher. That's right. I am going to meet the teacher. I want to teach him something he never taught me. And that's how to lose. Bobby the Weasel Heenan, you said I was limited. I showed you I wasn't limited. I'm fixing to show everybody today in just a few short minutes. I can't wait. You accepted the challenge, and I'm going to take the best of a good opportunity. The Red Rooster's great. Can't wait to get his rooster claws into that weasel hide. I'm going to take out all this frustration. I am going to take care of business. And when I'm done with you, Weasel, there'll be nothing left. It'll be a great day in the barnyard. And everybody will be going, arr, 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 arr. All right, the waiting is over for Red Rooster. He's on his way to meet Bobby the Brain Heenan. So, yeah. So bad. So The Red Rooster. So, Terry Taylor was uh, Bobby Heenan's... I guess Bobby Heenan was his manager. The the previous match was a fucking minus like four stars. Oh, I gave it. Uh, yeah, you're right. I gave that match. What did I give it? I gave it minus one. Meltzer gave it a dud. 
Yeah. So Red Rooster then leaves his manager, and then he becomes the Red Rooster. Or they, I guess, Heenan made him the Red Rooster. Well, I what? Know. I guess what happened was he got ter- Terry Taylor, and he said, "I can make a star out of anybody." And he he called him up, even like this little Red Rooster here or something, and then made him. I don't know if he called him the Red Rooster, but then the Red Rooster started calling himself that. I I don't know. Someone will will chime in. And uh, and so. Terry Taylor's gimmick was he actually did this red spike in his hair. Like he had a blonde mullet and he made a red spike. Like he dyed it red and he walked around and he did a cock-a-doodle-doo sound. He would like, he would like peck his head. He, when he would walk around, he would peck. Yeah. It's terrible. So he fights Bobby Heenan in a match, in a, in a match that's 30 seconds long. Yep. Uh, Rooster wins. I put, I put a star. Meltzer gave it a dud. There's not, there's no match. There's no match. It's just a dud. He just beats Heenan, and the only thing that happens after that is that the Brooklyn brawler uh, who came to the ring with Heenan uh, beats on the Red Rooster for a minute and then leaves. That's it. And that's it. That, by the way, is the uh, the lead-up to the main event. Yep. So that match stunk, but it had a good promo. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Here so, we go. So Here we go. The this main is- event is the Mega Powers exploding. Yes. Macho Man Randy Savage against Hulk Hogan for the title. Macho Man is the 11th dead wrestler on the card. Yep. The champion comes out first. Yep, and Jesse notes it. Yeah, so usually it's, of course, the challenger who comes out first. The champion comes out first, the Macho Man. And then Hogan comes out. Yep. And this happens. jealous, Jess. You're darn right, because this guy is so underhanded. He wouldn't come to Macho face to face. He wouldn't say, Macho, I want a shot at the title. No. He has to go after Macho's woman. How much lower can you go, Gorilla, than go after your best friend's woman? You actually believe that doctored footage that was shown by the Macho Man? I've seen this from start to finish, Gorilla. I'm not a Johnny come lately on the block. You're entitled to your own opinion, Jess. <laughs> there you go. So good. So again, the the most the the brilliant thing about this is that there's kind of like there's truth to what Jesse's saying. Yes. Even though he's the heel. And like it's not even like it's it's like all in storyline, but it's kind of true. Oh yeah. And um I would imagine because now this is before there's internet. But yep. but you know, there's smart marks. Yep. And I would imagine that all the smart marks at this point hate Hogan. Yep. Love the Macho Man, and Jesse kind of speaks to them. I think so. Has to be. Now, of course, you and I, at the time, we're not uh, on the internet with wrestling. No. But we're reading magazines, and the magazines are generally anti-Hogan. Yep. And so you and I are kind of on the anti-Hogan bandwagon. Oh, God. I did not like Hogan. Like, we're Team Macho Man. All the way. All the way. All the way. This is the brilliance of the storyline is that there was enough levels of it where you were like, you could justify both sides. I mean, you love Hogan. You're like, Hogan's a good guy. He's just being a good guy, being a good friend. He talks about it in his promo that we didn't talk about. We're home where he, where he, where Hogan caught a pretty good promo. Yes. Where he's talking about like, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted to believe in you. You know, we were, we were, we were partners. 
you know, but you were jealous. And it's like, I see that point. But I also, knowing Hogan, the funny thing about Hogan, and what I kind of like about Hogan is he was a good guy, but he wasn't like that aw shucks kind of good guy like John Cena, right? <laughs> Hulk Hogan wanted the title. He was he fucking, he wanted to be the number one guy. He was, he had that, you know, he was underhanded. He would rake guys' backs and fucking, he, you know, pull and sit out at the Royal Rumble from the outside, getting upset when he loses. He's, a, he's a, you know, a bit of a prick. You know, uh, he horn-dogged on Liz. <laughs> Clearly, he was like, he was stepping over the line a little bit with Miss Elizabeth. Getting a little too comfortable, you know? Yep. So there was, I liked that there was that, but also Macho Man was a little crazy. And he would, you know, he showed, he, he would tweak things to his own game because Macho Man was, he was a heel at heart. So uh, Jesse calls Hogan a lot of things. He calls him the luster. The pukester. The pukester, the chumpster. <laughs> calls him the pukemaniacs. The pukemaniacs. And uh, he also has this to say. Yes. Get no bigger. This is what it's all about. Listen to the pukesters. What right do you have to call them that name? Because they are. Oh. Hey, Macho made it to the top. He didn't, like he said, he didn't need no pukesters helping him here, helping him there. Oh, but he was glad to have him, wasn't he? With his past year. He did it his way. Won it in the biggest wrestling tournament in history. And then this guy lays in the weeds and fits up this devious plan distract macho steal his manager steal his woman get his mind off what he's what he is the champion amazing so good i love it the hogan in the weeds it's a classic <laughs> moment for us always talking about hogan lusting in the weeds <laughs> the pukesters why what right do you have the call of that because they are <laughs> that's so like this is yeah peak jesse yeah like, you can't like it just it makes everything better it does. And this uh, is a great match. That's my last clip, by the way, but I have other things that Jesse says. Oh, yeah. He calls Elizabeth a gold digger. Yep. And says that whoever wins, she'll go with. Yep. Uh, which, of course, Gorilla's like, well, that's smart. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then, uh, one of my favorite lines, and I don't know if I, I want to take this from you. Because no, you may want to say it. What, what does Jesse say if you remember after Hogan wins the first uh, power display? Oh, it's like that's something about that's great, but we'll wait till the aerial tactics come in. <laughs> yep. So they have a display of power, and Hogan throws Macho Man down. Well, he's and, got him outweighed by like 60 pounds. Yeah, and uh, Gorilla marks out, and Jesse's like, well, I would expect that, Gorilla, but let's see what happens when the aerial tactics come into play. So good. Uh, so, so good. Um,. Classic Macho Man. At one point, Hogan's chasing him around the ring, and uh, Macho uses Elizabeth as a shield. So awesome! I would. Re I, one other thing about Jesse is when he's all, "Who the hell was Elizabeth before she got with Macho?" Yeah. So good. Um, a, a Macho Man. He holds Elizabeth as a shield. Then he runs into. He scurries into the ring, and then he he holds the ropes open and invites Hogan in. I know. All such such a smarmy bastard. Yep. And okay, you know, uh, on sleepover, we tend not to be a little very lecherous, but this is peak Liz. Oh yeah, yeah, like one hundred percent peak Liz. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Jesse calls Hogan the chumpster. Yep. At one point, Hogan is when he's getting beaten down. He like does the whole crawling and grabbing onto Macho's leg, and um, 
Um, Jesse's all like, oh. Chump, Chump Hogan begging the Macho Man, please, Macho Man. Um, Hogan gets a cut above the eye. That wasn't planned, I don't think. But no. they, they, they work it over. Cause, but they Hogan, work it really well, too. Yeah, like he gets a kind of a hard way cut. Because usually, like, when Hogan blades, like, he blades like a fucking champ, right? Yep. But in this case, I think there was just a cut, so they work it into the match. And it's good. It's worked in well because it kind of puts Hogan in a bit of peril. Uh, again, something that's going to work in 89 that's not going to work today. There is, of course, like allusions to uh, Macho Man, for lack of a better term, putting Elizabeth in her place. Yep. At one point, Jesse even says, like, you know, probably getting her clocked in the nose would do her good. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, well, uh, <laughs> in, in 1989. Yep. Uh, but uh, Elizabeth is a clear distraction, so they get she gets tossed. Get tossed by Hebner. And and once she gets thrown out, there's actually not much left. The match only goes for about two more minutes. Yep. Uh, Macho Man does the big elbow off the top rope to the floor, and Hogan sells the throat across the guardrail. Yeah, he does the axe handle. Yeah. So uh, so Hogan sells the throat, goes in the ring. Macho Man gives him the hop over the top rope clothesline. And then, you know, uh, does a couple of other moves and then goes for the elbow. And it's great because it's like, you've got, you know, Hogan's the bigger guy. Like, you know, yep. again, back in 89, like when I was a kid watching this, I was like, well, Hogan's going to win because he's so much bigger. Yep. You know, but Macho yep. Man gets his opening when he's got the throat compromise, which of course leads to his finisher, the big elbow. It's so good. And so he hits the big elbow. And of course, Hogan kicks out and he hulks up and wins. And that's it. It's just like you want to, you just kind of want to turn it off after the elbow. Yeah, Jesse talks about he might come back into the ring mm. to face Hogan. It kind of just ends. Good if you're a Hogan fan. And this is actually the best match on the show. It was quite good. I gave it three and a half. I, I, I give it a four just for everything. Meltzer gave it two and a half, or two and three quarters, which was his highest rating. But I mean, again, you take into account like the match, which is fine, because Macho Man's going to get a good match out of everyone, because he lays Macho Man lays out his matches in advance, oh, and, yeah. like, and practices them like it's fucking ballet. Yep. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> and it's like apparently his notes are literally like, okay, here are the notes. Uh, lock up. Yep. <laughs> now oh, yeah. there's this. Like it's every single little thing. You know, push down, pose. I run out. You chase me. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So uh, Hogan follows along, which makes the match good. And the the Jesse part and the fact that it's for the title, it's like it works. Yeah. And it's got, you know, the, the drama and Elizabeth and get her tossed. And, you know, I, I, I quite enjoy that match. One of my favorite matches to watch. And for so everything. I give it four stars. Yeah. So Hogan wins and he poses and. For an extended period of time and it's bullshit. Yeah. Fuck Hogan is posing. Yeah. And then that's the end of the, the show. Three what? hours and 40 minutes. Oh God, it's a slog, but you know what? I still like watching it, and it's it's mainly the commentary. It is, and the funniness. Obviously, you're waiting for those beats, right? Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, we're gonna see this next. Oh yeah, here comes you know, here comes Rick Martel, you know, overacting, and then oh yeah, that Duggan had had snot in his nose. And, oh, and here comes the ball grab. Yeah, here's the rooster, and we, oh Jesse's gonna rant, and it's just. It's good. It's good pace. Like I always enjoy watching this event. What have you got here? What's this? Oh, nice. Well, the week after WrestleMania, or there around, the number one song in America. Fine Young Cannibals. Yes, indeedy. 
So, uh, God, I don't even know what we're going to have lined up next. I mean, you're listening to this episode. It's probably about the 22nd of March. Yep. So we've got another set of tapings before I'm back in uh, Winnipeg, and we'll probably do a mega taping. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. So, you know, we'll come up with something. Maybe we'll do another Mania because we're heading to WrestleMania. I think that Um, might be a good idea. And uh, something else. Obviously, if you have ideas or things you want to hear or you want to be a guest, and we had one person that wanted to, and we're still waiting to hear if he wants, you know, we need some subject matter. Yes. If you want to be a guest, like, come with something you're passionate about, and we'll talk about it. Come forward if it's music-related. and like, I don't want someone coming on the show where we talk about our shit, and they're kind of passenger. Yeah. I want someone who's invested I should in say, what you're talking about. Uh, we've also talked about doing another Star Wars thing, and Phil will join us for that. Philly, so yes. We could, we could do that as well, because oh, we have some badness God. to talk about Star Wars style still. Oh, God. We could do Revenge of the Sith. That'd be amazing. So uh, we'll, we'll let you know what it's going to be. Go to uh, Meza9Sleepover on Twitter. Yes. And mezzaninesleepover.wordpress.com. Yeah. And follow me. I am at slip with five eyesers. Yep. At megamix.com, all one word. And I guess that's it. So uh, ready? Ready, go! Ready, go!